Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited for today's podcast with Lux ATL. She's been someone that I've admired uh, for many years online. She is an academic with a PhD turned social entrepreneur who uses stripping to empower women. Her relationship to spirituality is not a traditional one, and she makes that very clear in this podcast. I also love how she brought out, you know, my, you know, sailor's mouth, we'll say, and I just felt free to just get a little bit raunchy and dirty with her. She called that forward in me. Helping me to remember the difference between the sacred and the profane doesn't have to be that far. Her work is exciting. It is empowering. It is raw and it's real. And we have some really good deep conversations here and she's hilarious. So this podcast is one of those episodes that may not look like the traditional spiritual conversation, but that in its heart and soul it is. And it's a cultural and social conversation that really struck to the depths of me that like actually revealed some things about myself that I was questioning and I got answers in this podcast. So I hope it does the same for you. Let me know how it sits with you, what you love, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. I'm here today with Lux ATL. Now, first thing I want to ask you is, do, you, do, do people in your life call you Lux? That's a good question. Most people, actually. They Most do? People, yeah. Um, does, does your husband, partner call you Lux? Hell no. Okay. Not at all. Only as a joke. Um, only sarcastically. I might get like a like, okay, Lux ATL kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, everyone in my life calls me some nickname and it has been that way my whole life. Uh, very few people call me Lindsay. I, I hear that name like not very often. Uh, that's what I call myself in my mind though. Is okay. Lindsay. Where yeah. did Lux come from? Where, where did that come from? So I liked the way it sounded, dude. Basically, <clears throat> but, 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 but it does mean light in Latin, uh -huh. which is pretty And it's kind of connected to Lucifer because Lucifer uh, also means light bearer. I really love blasphemy and like, you know, uh, I'm not religious at all, but I like things that are kind of middle fingers to uh, establishment, I guess. Um, but to be perfectly real, um, I used to be an academic for a long time. First, first part of my adult life, I was an academic and I was teaching in the university. At the same time, I was also pole dancing and like loving it. And mm. a big part of the pole dancing community, especially at that time, this was uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, was sharing videos on the Internet, you know, and I, I'm sure you still see this, you know. Back in them days, it was Facebook, though. Like, this is pre-Instagram. Yeah. And I wanted to post my poll videos, but I did not think I could do it under Lindsay Byron and get away with it professionally. What were so you I teaching at the time? So we know. You had a PhD. You were in academia. But what were you teaching? Uh, freshman composition, dude. So, like, everybody. You've taken it. Everybody takes it. Everybody yeah. has to do that class. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you were posting videos on the internet of you stripping or pole dancing, likely your students would see it. Maybe the other faculty. Correct. It was yeah. particularly faculty I was concerned with. Yeah. Um, I wanted to live my life and do it without consequence, which has been a negative, a negative trait of mine throughout. <laughs> uh, but it's, therefore, I made a fake, like not a fake Facebook page, but a Facebook page under a, a, a pseudonym. Yeah. And it yeah. was Lux. And I used that as a stripper name for some time, but I've had a million stripper names. That was just um, my favorite. I liked the way it sounded and it stuck. Uh, it was under that account that uh, a number of my things went viral and kind of established my career as an online entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Amazing. Okay. So you went from having a PhD. Well, I mean, you still have a PhD. You went from being, uh, you know, a professor teaching around literature and literature, English or? Well, what I would like to teach was literature, but yeah. 
you kind of got to pay your dues. And that is teaching composition. So when you had to write your personal narratives. Yeah. Argumentative essays, all these like basic. Oh yeah. I remember I did the, the, ours was called writing the essay. It was our freshman college. It helped me be a good writer. I will say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was teaching at the time. I was at uh, Georgia Tech when I quit. Well, we have this thing in common because I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. And, yeah. And um, I I flew the coop and I went to New York when I was 18 because I was like, I need to do something different. But uh, a lot of people I know went to Georgia Tech. So maybe mm-hmm. they're your students. Well, probably we're around the same age, so probably not. But <laughs> yeah, could be. I was... <laughs> I was, te- you know, I started teaching in the university quite young, in fact. So um, there was a time early on where I was not much older than my students. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to tell everybody that Lux has a baby on her chest right now who's asleep. And um, it is so beautiful to be here with a mama who's like, hey, I'm showing up to do this podcast with my napping baby and we'll see what happens. We'll see. When did you give birth? Oh, September 23rd. And it fucking sucked. Okay. Tell us more. <laughs> Two thumbs down. I hate birth. Yeah. It's just the worst shit ever. Um, do not recommend the giving birth. I love being but people a mom. glorify it all over the internet. Tell us more about this because the internet, I'm sure on Instagram, it's like, Oh my God, it's the most beautiful thing. It's the most transformational experience of my life. I absolutely hated it, but I wanted it to be all of that. All yeah. of the above. And I was very crunchy with my first child. Um, you know, he's 12. This guy was a surprise. I'm 41 years old. So like I did not expect to um, have another baby at this juncture in my life. But here we are. So I was 41 when he was born. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of people have better births than me. So I had bad experiences both times. And um, I believe in the message out there. And I want, you know, anybody who's pregnant or thinking about having a baby, you know, please don't let me deter you. I had bad experiences. Um, do you mean but, bad is within like the medical establishment or like the experience in your body? Give us a little bit more, unpack that for us. It's, um, I know you've heard people talk about how painful it is to have a baby, but like you really, it's, 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 you cannot put into words. I mean, it's nuts. It's, it's like mind bending levels of agony. Like you, you're not present as like right. Lindsay is, that's a, you're an animal. You're yeah. fully an animal. Like if you ever want to become fully an animal right. and have that coveted ego death. Okay. Right. You'll have it in that moment. Um, and it, you know, the, the agony is too terrible. I can't, I'll never, my, look, I was never going to have another child in the first place because the first birth was so agonizing. I said, that's a wrap. You know, I was going to, I wanted to have more kids, but after I gave birth, I was like, I'm never. Wait. So that. did you, you did in the hospital, did you have an epidural or did you do in the hospital? I did, but I wouldn't have if I could have gotten away with it on my first baby. I was very, very crunchy, very like crunchy. You mean like granola hippie kind of? Vibe? Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I say crunchy when I'm grumpy, but no, crunchy. Every, the original definition of crunchy is granola is hippie. Okay, so first one you're like crunchy. Do this. I don't need any drugs. I went days without drugs with that first one. It took me three days to give birth with the first kid, so it was pretty. Oh my awful. god. Yeah. So for the second, like, so I was real hippie with the first one and it was awful. And so for the second, this child I just had, I said, you know, fuck it. Like, give me the drug straight away. Like, I just like, do you like, do y'all have heroin? (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) Um, Really, I just whatever y'all can give me. And the the epidural didn't work. (gasps) Didn't work. I kept getting them too. I got multiple epidurals just over and over. I mean, it was, yeah, it didn't work. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. No, me neither. Yeah. Whoa. Was the bad way to find out. Yeah. Um, you know, but thank, you know, thank the Lord he's here and he's great. He's adorable. He's apps. I know you can't see his face. But he's absolutely adorable. He's a Aww. sweet little angel. Yeah. He's a little mischievous guy too, though. But, um, <laughs> well, I, I, I would have no idea where that might come from. I know, right? <laughs> I'm interested to see if this one's like me. My first one is exactly like uh, my husband. Exactly. I remember you posted a video, and maybe this is one of the ones that went viral, where your son was watching you dance. Absolutely. And, 
And it ends with you hugging him or him hugging you or something, right? This precious moment. I'm so Oh my God. Talking about it makes me want to cry. Tell us, like, what has that been like? Um, And was that one of your first kind of like pieces that people were sharing that was showing a woman can be a mother, can be sensual, can be sexual, um, can be empowered? Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, actually... um... Alexandra, this is something that I think about kind of a lot now because I have a 12-year-old boy, you know, and everything that entails. Um, he's yeah. at that age. Um, it, that was, yes, one of the early things of mine that went yeah. viral. I and he, he was like maybe like what, four, four or five minutes? Yeah. Four. And just a precious little angel. God, what a beautiful <laughs> child. And then, like I said, he's a, practically a teenager now. Um, You know... In those days, um, I was, I guess I was, you know, honestly, probably trying to make a statement with that. And the, yeah. the statement that I was trying to make is the one that I think was made. Yeah. What you received from it. Yeah. Um, it's a different thing, however, to be, for example, twerking with your four year old in the background and your 12 year old son. And that's something. That I'm like, now I'm kind of, you know. Interesting. I'll be be totally real with you, dude. This is something I think about. And I have not encountered the following situation that I'm about to describe. Because my kid is not on social media and he's not allowed to be. um, Funny enough, because I've made a career on it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's pissed at me over that. But he's going to have to deal because I'm not here to be his friend. I'm here to be his mom. But if he was on social media, you know, Something that I'll be totally real with you. I would hate for his fucking peers to find me on that bitch. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, should it be that way? I probably not. I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess it's probably pretty natural that 12 year old boys would make fun of another 12 year old boy if their mother is bouncing her ass cheeks on the gram, which I am. Yeah. Yeah. And all of his childhood, he's been so little that that's just been of no consequence and not a concern. Yeah. Now that he's getting older, I sometimes wonder, you know how we think about our mothers now and all yeah. the things that were wrong, you know? Yeah. I got a mile long of my complaints against my mother who was, I'm sure, trying her best, just like yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. And I think often on his list of complaints, probably going to be me twerking on the internet. (laughs) I know it's not funny, but it's just, it's not a common maybe thought that a lot of women have, but they have it probably around other things, right? Like other things that they do. Yours is just so specific and so kind of rare in a way. So niche and so you. Um, You know, like, should we treat it like as if, you know, should, should the world believe that there's nothing wrong with these sorts of activities? Maybe, probably, but I'm a pragmatist and like, that's just not the world we're living in. Like, you know? Yeah. 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 12 year old boys would have a field day with that Lux ATL page. I promise you. So when you go pick him up from school or whatever, maybe you don't as much now that he's 12, but like, do the other moms know that part of your work is empowering other women through stripping? Uh, No. No. I'd rather them not know. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, dog, I've had some negative experiences multiple times with other moms um, where I felt you know pretty unfairly judged based on uh, this Lux ATL situation that I've got going on. So, for example, this is one of my favorite stories. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, this, this woman, is, this woman, she probably listened and should probably be listening because she's the type of person. Who like couldn't stand my ass so thoroughly that she watched everything I did. I know you probably got an army of them yourself. Okay. Oh, totally. totally. Some of them act nice. And then you're like, oh, I can just tell you're cursing me. I can tell you hate my ass. But okay. <laughs> okay yeah. t- I'm, I'm dying to know what happened. So I had this mommy friend and we had very little in common. This was with my first child. Yeah. We had very little in common except the fact that our babies were born at the same time. Okay. She was... Uh, I, I would say sexually repressed. I would say just seething with jealousy in general. Okay. Yeah. 
And I was even more of a hooligan then than I am now. And the world was a little bit different then. We're like, totally. The, the bar for hooliganism was a little bit lower okay, yeah. back then. Yeah, for, for sure. We've we've watched it change. Oh, dude, like now normal people have face tattoos. Like the fuck? I like, never <laughs> thought I would that, but but it's cool. And anyways. Right. Um, and and random, I would just say what random like suburban moms have pink and purple hair. Dude. Do you see that too? Yes. And I'm like, wow. Like when we were in high school, that was really punk, punk rock. It came from punk rock. Really edgy, really edgy. It's funny you say that because I told my husband recently, I'm like, damn, I never knew it was possible, but they made purple hair on cool. <laughs> they have, they have. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Anyway, so. Mommy friend. Yeah. She confronted me once with the following request. And I'm going to quote, she said, I needed to reevaluate the way I bent over. Fuck you. Yeah. And she also said that we we ha- we went on a little parents weekend of a number of us couples that had babies around the same age. She said that I was, quote, moving sexually in the hot tub. I was not, bro. I promise you. I was just acting like a normal person. So I've gotten stuff like that where like people wow. yeah, where people who were involved with me um are are projecting their insecurities on yeah. me real mad at me about yeah. it and yeah making these uh these basically like you're a slut accusations which i've been right my whole life my right whole right, right. Life. common denominator's got to be me but um you well know, so- i think the common denominator is like just being a woman who is empowered embodied uh, unafraid of her sexuality and that is your through line and the rest of the world has not caught up there. And it's funny because in some ways people seem like they've caught up. I'm doing air quotes. Like you see the music videos and all this and it's like, oh, we're cool with this. Everyone's twerking. But when it comes down to it, it's like there's still so much trauma and repression around sexuality and denial, all of it. So I don't know. I'm just standing up for you in that way because it's like, yeah, the common denominator is you, but it's because you're existing in a paradigm of expression and energy that triggers the the wounds and denial and repression of so many other people. Well, I'm glad you said it, so I don't have to say it about myself. <laughs> but I agree with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, I talk a lot about spirituality on my podcast and my work, and I just I'm so curious your take. I know you said your anti-establishment around religion and kind of like have that counter culture or um, kind of feels like a little bit of an anarchist attitude towards religion, which I I fully understand since we know religion has been the cause of so much pain and suffering and war and genocide and so much. We're not, we don't even need to get into all that. You can read my book. I talk about it. But what I'm curious about is your relationship to your spirituality and where you feel like stripping and dancing and spirituality meet for you and maybe for some of the people you work with too? It's a great question. A lot of my clients would, many, most of my clients would identify as as spiritual people and they're into what I will affectionately call woo-woo stuff, um, which I don't have to tell you what that is because you know. Yeah. Um, Crystals, shit like that. Audience. Um, do we know what she's talking about? I think we I mean, yeah. I think sometimes there's a derogatory sense of woo-woo, but I sure. think for those people who engage in different mystical practices, we can kind of have a little wink about it and go, yeah, yeah, we're woo-woo, wink, wink. Yeah. Actually, we're doing magic. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that a, a quite a large percentage of my clientele and, and indeed people in my life are about that life, uh, that yeah. kind of mystical spiritual life you know me dude I'm I'm just I, I never I used to be deeply Christian like charismatic Christian waving hands in church getting saved all the time crying in church I love that feeling I love that God feeling yeah as far as what I personally believe uh, agnostic definitely on the atheist end of that spectrum yeah. So I don't 
tend to think in terms of the uh, of spirituality in that word. Yeah. However, I do know the feeling that you are referring to. Yeah. And for me, sensual movement, dance has been a way uh, uh, to uh, continuously throughout my life to do a few things. To one, to get me out of my head. I'm a writer. I'm very cerebral. Um, I was an academic for a million years. I'm still that person. I'm a researcher. It, it, it has always been this escape for me. And like I said, when I discussed how giving birth was like a way to become an animal. Bless you, by the Thank way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, movement, sensual movement in particular, I find is a way to connect us with our animal selves. Yeah. Um, on, on this level beneath the constant narration and uh, analysis that we're doing all day. When I got into this, dancing in this way at first I was a stripper I mean I was a teenager when I started stripping um when I was a teenager and I started stripping I was coming at it with a major chip on my shoulder and I think what I'm about to say is probably the heart of the matter here mm-hmm. I was coming at it with a major chip on my shoulder I was fucking furious just furious because I'd had a hard time as a kid and um for a lot of reasons, but not the least of which being I was, you know, slut shamed for lack of a better word, um, in major ways that drastically affected my life. Uh, you know, yeah, yes, major ways that drastically affected my life and 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 imprinted on me who I would be for the rest of my life as well. Yeah, yes. And I started dancing. And I didn't think of it at the time in these explicit terms, but now looking back, I see that it was a way for me to mobilize for what I thought was my benefit and my power, that which had been hated and reviled in me by everybody. It was a fuck you. I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to ascend in this life. In fact, Mm-hmm. Uh, by utilizing that which I have been so uh, punished for. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm 41 years old now. Like I said, I wrote a memoir, which which was a great exercise in healing a lot of my childhood wounds. It took me many years to write that book. And um, yeah. I think I'm mostly over that shit, you know, the anger and stuff, you know, right. like this middle finger to the world with my, ass bouncing yeah and now I'm at a different place yeah and now I'm this new mom and you know I'm no longer 25 years old and I am no I'm entering a phase in my life where like being the official sexy lady like bro you know I'm aging dog and don't get me wrong like older women are hot etc I get it but you know how it is it's not a lot of 50-year-olds in the strip club. And being this sexy lady has been my identity for so long. Right. And, and you know, then I got pregnant at 40 and, and gained 50 pounds um, and looked like a hobo for about 378 days straight. <laughs> Seriously. Really? And that's a mind fuck, my dog. I mean... You know, like, I, I don't want to sound vain or or shallow, but I do think what I'm about to say is probably what a lot of people really feel, but they don't admit it because they. Yeah. Yeah. I I was used to being pretty, dude, and I got pretty used to that. Right. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was never pretty, but I certainly thought I was. I'll be honest with you. I thought I was pretty fucking hot. Yeah. And, and it got me a lot of places in yeah. life. A very yeah. useful instrument. And to feel as if I had lost that, maybe forever, because I, like I said, I, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I'm having these irrational fears. Maybe not irrational. I mean, the culture certainly tells us like it's a wrap for women my age. 
But uh, after I've been swimming in those sorts of feelings for, you know, uh, almost a year. When you were pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. And postpartum. Yeah. I mean, I'm a milk machine, dude. I'm a dairy cow right now, for real. Like right. most of my life has spent breastfeeding an infant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get out of the house. Like this is, yeah. you know, yes. You know, he's he, he's the boss. And yeah. as you can see, now that I've been swimming in those feelings, for me, the essential movement is to be perfectly frank. I just want to feel like a sexy woman again, bro. Yeah. And over the course of my career, I've had many deeper reasons why the sensual movement matters politically, spiritually, if you will. But I think also just very pragmatically, I want to feel like I'm still a, a, a beautiful woman. Yeah. And this is a good route to that for me. It, it has been historically and for many other women that I know. Yeah. yeah. I love that answer. I love that answer. And I mean, even though it's not like, a, you know, a direct link in a way spiritually, I think it connects us to, and maybe spirit is the wrong word in this moment because spirit is kind of like the light. And it's like, you know, James. Yeah, yeah, but James Hellman, depth psychologist, he talks about spirit being like on top of mountains and soul being in the valleys. And I think of the feminine as more like this, like kind of getting us into the depths quite yes. a bit, where spirit has that connotation of like lifting out of the body. Yeah. So I feel when you're talking, it's like there is that like with sensual movement. Yeah, maybe it's not like, oh, this is a spiritual practice, but it is a practice that connects me to the depths of who I am beyond the cultural conditioning, like beyond these fears and ideas I have about what my sexuality means at my age or with whatever maybe physical condition I have or whatever, um, whether I'm single or partnered, that getting into my body and moving in a sensual way makes me feel more me. Yes. Which is inherently connecting me to this eternal essence for me of woman, of goddess, of truth, of, you know, who I am, what my body is beyond all of the things that I've been told and all the lies that I've been sold for my whole Absolutely. fucking life. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. I mean, for me, central movement has been essential since I was a kid and I'm half Brazilian. And so I grew up dancing samba and you know, I was slut shamed from a young age for bringing my own sensuality into Marietta, Georgia, into my high school, middle school, and all of that. Yes. And um, it was a terrible imprint. It was a, it was dark, and it still happens now. I mean, I may have told this story in my podcast, but I'm giving the uh, the short version, which is like, at my birthday this year, I got kind of wasted, and I just like brought the ATL out, Good. and <laughs> I like. But I was at a party where no one else was bringing out the ATL in it. I, I fully reverted back to being in middle school where I was like, oh, my God, I'm the mega slut. Yes. Like rolling around on the floor to outcast in Nine Inch Nails and yeah. around all these married people. And just like, um, and it was it was powerful. And it was it was a beautiful transformational moment for me to realize how that's just in me. And and from a young age, and not everyone's going to join me there, you know, and that's why going to groups of other women like you're doing, I go to a class here in, in Colorado, where I now live with my partner, um, that's called Centrally Embodied. And it's, it's like, beautiful central movement, slightly from the S factor lineage. Um, and I'm like, I can't do this everywhere. I can't you know, get on the floor and just let it all out everywhere because it's so fucking triggering to people. Oh, very, very, very triggering to people. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't think it's that way all over the world. I think it's quite culturally specific. Yeah. This combination. Quite um, white, also Protestant. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. American, American, um, yeah, yeah. America was founded on religion, um, and yeah. pure, in fact. But um, it's funny how deeply reviled uh, sensual expression is when it is as fundamental to life as eating or sleeping, bro. I know, and pooping, 
It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so fundamental. And our desires for, you know, sexy times and to feel sexy is 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 as fundamental to to human life and necessary to the propagation of our species as mm. eating a delicious meal. Yeah. Um, and yet we treat it as if it is a dirty secret that only the most depraved engage in. And right. and what I have learned from my work, in which I work with mainly um, normal women, women from all walks of life, women right. of all different ages too. Yeah. Uh, people, by the way, often are confused. And you know, my, my brand is strip craft. My you know community is the strip coven. Um, this was all a pun, by the way. This was before like witchcraft got big on the internet. By the right, way, right, 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 right. Yeah, but that name has served me well because it is it has brought in a lot of these witchy chicks, which <laughs> like, yeah, like bring it on. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> but one thing I've learned in my line of work, working with all these different women, people often think that because of the name of my brand that you have to be a stripper to like come to my events or do you know come to my retreats. No, 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 no. It's a minority actually. There are some strippers, but that's a minority because um, often strippers are burn out on this kind of shit frankly right 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 um but one thing i learned in my line of work is something i always suspected that i always knew was the case from seeing these female customers in the club 95 percent of women want to do this shit and 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 about 80 percent of those ain't gonna tell you and right. they might not even want to admit it to themselves right they might not even want to admit it to themselves because they think if they even admit it to themselves they think that they are too lame, too uh, ugly, too uh, old, too uh, big. These are different reasons I encounter. They think they have no business yeah. even attempting or fooling around with sensual movement, sexy dance. But they all fucking want to. They're dying to. They, yeah. if you gave them the opportunity, this is, and this is the foundation of my business is I had yeah. this realization. I said, you know, if you gave these women the opportunity yeah, and the encouragement to get on stage and pull their titties out and have some people clap for them. Yeah. They love that experience. And right. I can't blame them because I've quite enjoyed that experience as well. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's kind of what I decided to do in a large part with my business is yeah. just kind of cut the shit yeah. and give it to them straight. And so women come to my retreats, for example, and that's what they do. I mean, yeah. you know, people often see my retreats on the Internet and, and, and think that it's a, a lesbian orgy. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Which by like the way, men feel that or women think that oh, or what? Both. Both people are confused. They don't quite know what goes on. Okay, what you guys do. Yeah. It, 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 it is women giving lap dances. They got their titties out. You know, some of them are buck naked. Um, me yeah. included. And yeah. by the way, disclaimer: nothing but love for lesbian orgies. Okay, ah, I can't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Time. You're just not holding those and asking people to. That's pay not them. what I'm doing. Yeah, That's yeah. not what I'm doing. It, it's it, these women are engaging in this great liminal space between like sisterhood and flirtation mm, interesting such a great vibe it's it's like you know people always are like you know are people fucking at these retreats and frankly it's not in my business i'm i know it's happened okay uh -huh. and that's not my business yeah i ain't against the rules but it's not the status quo yeah yes the engagement is much more one of like camaraderie and sisterhood, but we're also going to give each other lap dances. It's really like the slumber party of your dreams when you were 13, but now you're just 38. Hi, everybody. Quick interlude here because I want to tell you about my group Radical Awakenings. It's an online community space for wild women, for smart women, for women who love to engage in spiritual practice, who don't go to traditional temple or church, but want to create their own temple space where we can practice embodiment and ritual 
where you can stand in front of the group and ask questions, feel your feelings, express your rage, your grief. We can laugh together. We can write together. We can speak and pray in the way that we know in our bones how to do together. So I've been leading spaces like this for a very long time. My first women's circle I led back in 2002. I'm super devoted to creating safe and sacred spaces for women to come together, to play, to express, to embody, to feel, to grieve, to open, to inspire each other. Sacred sisterhood is super important to me and not in some let's fix each other sugar-coated dress all in white version of spirituality. Of course, you know me. That's not how I roll. The women that come to my programs, they're smart, they're change makers, they're visionaries, they're crossing thresholds and initiations, they're going through dark nights of the soul, they've got tattoos, they've got babies, they're birthing books, they're making radical changes in their lives. Of course, you don't have to have tattoos or babies or books in order to be with us, but all are included. We are a beautiful motley crew of women who have one sacred goal, to come together to honor these bodies, these hearts, to honor our spiritual practice day to day, not as something we just do on a yoga or meditation retreat, but something that is incorporated and integrated into our lives. We bring rituals into the homes, we make altars, we live by the stars and the moon, we live by the cycles, and we come together to reclaim something that we know to be true. So I would love to invite you to the next iteration of Radical Awakenings. We meet twice a month and you get the recordings if you can't attend live. We have all kinds of bonuses included in the program as well. So look in the show notes. There's a link to join, bring a friend. We would love to have you, to hold you, to be with you as we all continue to walk this wild and weird human life together. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's so beautiful that, you know, the way you talk about it is so free. And so, you know, you're, you're looking at all these taboos and you're just being honest about it. And you're like, yeah, this, this is taboo. And let's be honest, Mm -hmm. every woman is holding this secret desire in some way, shape or form. And I think one way we see it is because, I mean, you see this in movies, you see this at bars when women get drunk, it comes out. Halloween. Halloween, everybody. You got slutty, slutty every costume, right? Like every costume. Yeah. It's a yeah. way for people to, I mean, I talk about this a little bit in my in my first book. I'm like, it's a way that people get to embody and take on their shadow, which is their repressed sides, you know. Yeah, great take on that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's it's also scary right when you look at all the horror piece and all of the ways that uh, say halloween people are rejecting culturally death getting to know death understanding dying being close to the blood and guts of our food all of that and so it is fascinating to me on a whole nother level like what like what we see in tv what we see in halloween what we see in movies all the clues to what's going on in this kind of collective um unconscious as carl jung would say but um i I don't want to wax too too far into that but i have some other questions here for you so um who are some of your most influential teachers in life the people that empowered you that told you, you know, go out there, you can do something new, you can do something real, you can be a pioneer, you can be an entrepreneur. Who who held you as you stood and began to stand out on your own? Tori Amos. Woo! Who you kind of look like. I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard yeah. Before. Um, I rarely listen to Tori Amos now. But when I was a young, when I was a youth, when I was a teenager, I came upon her music. In fact, somehow rented a CD from the library. I don't know how this came about, but that's how I discovered her. And talk about blasphemy. Like, she was so out there and, and like weird. Yeah. Yeah. And would also speak openly about like same sex attraction. 
um, in a way that I thought was really hot. Mm. Um, she was such a counter cultural middle finger to the law poet, a poet, man. Like, and, and was doing it all through art. Yeah. And I saw this woman just be so weird, so out there, like, who seemingly, like, didn't give a fuck about how, like, I don't know if you listen to her music, but, like, sometimes, like, she'll sing in just the craziest ways and, like, you know, and, and like, present herself. She has, like, in one of her album covers, she's got, like, a, a, a piglet breastfeeding, okay? Right. This level of wild weirdness that just, I felt like this woman read the diaries of my soul and put them in a song over and over. And she inspired me so much to just doggedly pursue my art and to be as weird as I was unapologetically. And she taught me through her art that it was that deep, not giving a fuck about fitting in that could make you uh, a, a genius of your time. Yeah, like I just, I'll never forget the effect she had on my life. I'd love to meet her and tell her that. Yeah. I'm sure she hears it every day from mm. another. Yeah, but um, she had yeah. a very profound effect on my life. Yeah. And how ahead of her time, like to use that kind of, you know, visual and the type of sound that was outside the box that felt more experimental, edgy, visionary, and to succeed, you know, and because there was some truth around it for her and it just, it drew a lot of people in. Yes. Um, there are so many trailblazers, which I, when I look at the internet now, or look at what people are creating, I'm like, do you even know how many people work their asses off to create the opening? for the type of imagery, the type of art that exists now, now it's like kind of exists in over quantity in a way, like we talked about with the purple hair, where it's like, yes. okay, that was specific and it it did move the needle in the collective in a certain way. And now it's like, where are we now? So I'm curious, where are we now? What's your take on like, where are we sort of culturally in terms of, yeah. yeah I've got a take. Give it to me. <laughs> to take do you know the new edge is being normal oh my god i just wrote a piece about this my new edge is it, it, for me being in a monogamous relationship in colorado <laughs> dude it, this kind of shit is exactly what i'm talking about and let me tell you like uh particularly having the experience that i've just had which is you know i'm, I'm married i'm in a long-term marriage also okay yeah. um to a man yeah you yeah mine, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I've become a mom again, which is uh, imminently unhip. Um, I truly believe. And by the way, I was an academic at a time when many of of the uh, politics and language that has become ascendant was being birthed. Okay, so I'm talking about things like identity politics. Um, I'm talking about things like. um, postmodern, everything is subjective. There is no objective truth. Yeah. These are the sorts of, of mind frames that are uh, informing uh, now mind-blowingly um, mainstream culture. I never yeah. thought I'd see these academic uh, ideas trickle down, but indeed they have, and they've yeah. exploded. Um, and, and in fact, uh, often are talked about in ways that aren't really accurate because the people don't have, don't really know what they're talking about, but that's another topic. Yes, I agree. Yep. Yes. In an era in which we are obsessed with celebrity, yes. with everyone having a personal brand, yes. with everyone being uh, famous, uh, the, the main character, as they right. say, yeah. with everyone introducing themselves in their bios with the various, various idiosyncrasies that make them special. Yeah. You know? Yeah. With everyone scrambling to find ways that they are a very, very special person so that they are a, a capital uh, G good guy and not a capital B bad guy. Yeah. 
in an era in which everybody is is obsessed with 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 uh, personal brands, celebrity being very very special people with very unique reasons why they are the way they are. Um, that's the old edge. Uh, the new edge, I truly believe. Give it a few years. And I believe that that people are going to start embracing like I'm just a normal motherfucker. Um, yeah. Yes. And I embrace that. And I talk about that a lot and often not explicitly, but implicitly in the way I present myself. Yeah. Um, I. I really think that it's going to result in the weirdest for people of of our generation, I think it's going to be really weird looking to see all of these things that seemed real traditional and square look edgy in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I love this conversation because I was having this with my therapist last week. I'm like, look, everyone I everyone I hang out with nowadays is like, oh, we're opening a relationship. We're becoming poly. We're going to a sex party. And I'm like, telling my therapist, I'm like, I did that stuff 10 years ago and I'm actually not super interested now. I'm like, I explored, I had threesomes. I did this, I did that. And I'm actually more interested in monogamy, but hanging out around all these people, I start having these thoughts. Like, did I become square? Like, should I, you know, should I be going and doing this? Like what's going on here? And luckily with me, my therapist were like, hell no. (laughs) My edge is being in a fucking monogamous relationship, long-term partnership for the first time in my life with such depth and trust and intimacy. And I'm like, girl, just focus on that. Like, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. I didn't worry about it for most of my life. (laughs) But it's interesting how how the trends and the waves hit. And when you've already been living within a trend, like a decade prior, it's kind of like, oh, cool, people are catching up to me. But by that time, you're no longer really resonant with it. Yes. And so you're kind of like, ooh, I could fit in with you guys if I wanted to, because I lived that life for a while, but I'm actually still walking forward into something new, into a new edge for myself. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I've had the very same experience as you in, in, in that, like, you know, being in a group of people and like everybody's, for example, Polly, everybody. And I'm like, God damn, like the minority has become the majority. And mm-hmm. yes. And maybe that's just in the circles I run in, but I think it's pretty widespread these days. Me too. My circles yeah. too. The spiritual yeah. people are doing it too. Oh, yes. And and that really begs the question. And I think we know the answer. And that's why I say normal is the new hedge. Normal, in quotes, it begs the question, what happens when the minority becomes the majority? And I, I think the answer is, is like, what makes things cool? Like our our notion of cool is that not many people are doing it. Right. So like the reason it was cool to have purple hair in 1997 was like, who did you know with purple hair? Like the kid that you were not allowed to hang out with, that dude. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But when but when all of the moms at the soccer game have rainbow hair. Yeah. You know? that you've 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 dissolved the edge with the majority acquisition yeah Yeah. do you think there's something about people like i'm putting us in the same category but do you think there's something like people like you and me that it's a it's like a rebellious personality trait that or like is it true like that we don't want to be in that category because i have such a strong aversion when i'm like shit this thing that that I was doing 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Now everybody's doing it. I don't want to do it. Like, do you think that that's a healthy thing? (laughs) I know you're not my therapist, but like, do you think that's a healthy thing for us that we should keep kind of moving onward so we don't get stuck? Or what do you think? I think it's like a a double-edged sword. And I'll I'll speak about me personally. Um, I'll say on the good side, um, and I'll probably sound a little vain here, but on the good side, I think it keeps me a visionary. I think that's my great strength as a business person. And in fact, as an artist is that, um, you know, I feel like I'm always a couple steps ahead. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, insofar as like what the people want, I feel like I've got a good sense for what's coming up. Yeah. You know? So I think it keeps me visionary. On the other 
side, that desire to always like not be doing what the other people are doing. Uh, that's all ego, bro. I'm just being a prideful motherfucker. I'm just trying to be the coolest bastard in the sandbox. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm I'm no better than anybody else. So, you know, I'm trying to, uh, all of y'all are doing it. I'm not doing it because like I need to be different. And I've always wanted to be different. My kid, for example, he's left-handed. Yeah. And he's been like, oh, you know, this sucks. And I'm like, are you kidding? I always wanted to be left-handed. Like you're so right. lucky. To me, that's cool. Right. Uh, so, you know, it serves me well, but it is definitely an exercise of my vanity, of which I have more than one of those. Me uh, too. Me too. And I've been feeling that lately too. I'm like, shit, here I am at 38. I'm still wanting to be the coolest kid. And I'm still like, I, I think it's going to continue until the grave, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. And the high side of it is true is the visionary thing. And it's like, you know, sometimes I won't shut my fucking face about like, oh, well, I was doing moon circles and like witchy things 20 years ago. And I did this and I was on my spiritual path and I was writing about it publicly 15 years. And I'm like, girl, just shut up. That's that's the past, you know. So what? You're a few steps ahead of the game. Now go find something else, you know. Um but I do think that being being more visionary, a few steps ahead, like there's something really magical about that. And it just means that you don't always get the praise that the mainstreamers are getting because you're putting it out there first. In fact, not only are you not going to get praise, they're going to dislike you. Right. Right. And I found like a few years ago, I hit like. I had, there was enough crossover with what I was doing in the mainstream that I got a lot of praise. And I was like, fuck yeah, I finally made it, you mm -hmm. know? And then I realized, no, because I got to keep marching on. And so I'm now, now that I'm not doing that thing I was doing four years ago, like the people, like it, it's just, it, it's not quite resonant with the mainstream current. That was the first time that I hit a moment of being res resonant with the mainstream current. Yeah. I had that too, probably around the same time as you, I'm going to guess. Like 2018-ish, like 2019? About 2016, 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They love me. You, what do you think that was? You know what I think it was? I think it was the Me Too movement. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God, you're brilliant. I really that's, do. And that's that, what made us popular at the same time. <laughs> I really, really do. And like I was doing the shit before that that movement dropped, Me too. You know, yeah. obviously. Um, but when it, it hit, I started getting a lot of attention from the media. Um, and just, you know, my, my shit was getting shared virally again, blah, blah, blah. And um, of course, that was an important conversation to have. Um, and once again, you know, I'm glad that I was in a position where I was already having it when it, you know, when it happened. Yeah. Now that fervor has died down, of course, and has been exchanged for any number of other social issues that people have been outraged about, you know, in the dozens in the time passing right. and has such, you know, um, my cultural relevancy has perhaps taken a hit. Um, but, you know, in that moment, I felt very much the same way. Like, Oh shit, bro. Like they wow, the people like me. Yeah, yeah, like I'm gonna buy a house. And I did. Uh -huh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much similarity. I haven't bought a house yet, but yeah, I definitely was like, fuck, I'm paying off my student loans. I'm putting money away. I'm getting a nice car, you know. And that, I, mean, that, I should have done that. I'm still working on them student loans. I can't yeah. wait till they're out of my life. Yeah. But that's beautiful. And I mean, I think it's a, it's, I, I felt it as it was shifting. It was like, okay, my cultural relevancy is shifting and it's okay. And I think, you know, that was an important time in 2020, 2021. And to let the ego take a little, you know, a little bit of a car wash is the image I'm getting. It's just like, um, oh. and now I'm like, this is interesting. And it's like, what I feel coming from you is your core message is you, is the same. So you're still out there doing your thing, supporting people, living your life, doing you. Same with me. And I'm like, the waves will come and go. And I try to tell that to women that I coach and mentor. I'm like, 
just do you and the thing you're passionate about the most, because that's the most magnetic and the most interesting. And if you're trying to match like what's happening collectively, you're going to get fucked because it's going to change. Yes, absolutely. But so many people are looking to what's outside to define what they do. Of course. And, and, and I think that your advice to, to, to really do what you are personally feeling is great advice because also, man, remember when social media was in the early days? Like, let's talk about really early days, like live journal. I remember that? Did live, I did blog spot, but I remember yeah, live journal similar. and MySpace, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. I remember back in the olden days. I'm fuck. I mean, I remember when the internet was invented. Okay, I mean, I, you know, I'm old. Um, but I remember back in the olden days where we would go on social, even the early days of Graham, and it it was it was like getting this glimpse into the lives of real people. You know, right. it, it was like it was like I used to work at a photo lab when I was a teenager, and um, I, I would develop film in, in this big machine where you push negatives through and you develop picture by picture. Okay, and I lived in this small town and I would see these people like out at restaurants or at the mall. And I'd be like, I know what your living room looks like because I developed your film. Yeah. And in the early days of social media, it was like we were getting these insights into like real normal people. And you're like, oh, so like that's what your kitchen looks like, you know? And it was this very intimate feel. Right. But then as time has, has progressed and everybody's got to have a personal brand, um, the, the, the realness um, the, dare I say, authenticity of social media presences has given way to a persona on even, even like, you know, your aunt, you know, your, your 72 year old aunt's got a fucking brand now. And yo, I get it. I get it. I get it. No shade. Obviously I do it because I'm, I'm a business and this is, I make my money on Lux ATL. But I think and why I try to just be like frank and down to earth when possible, I think what people still really crave that they that is a really rare commodity now is that just flat out no bullshit glimpse into real people. Yeah. yeah. You know, like how cool would it be to like, 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 let's say like a celebrity that really inspires you. If you could actually like get a glimpse into like what their Tuesday is. Yeah. You know, me and my husband have this sort of a joke, like well, this little joke in our family where it's like, wonder what Brad Pitt is doing right now. Yeah. That's funny. I love that. Yeah, we I'm were like, talking what? about that in bed the other night in my partner. It is Brad Pitt. They fart too. He's farting right now. Hard to believe. Not Brad. <laughs> not, not Brad. Not Brad. Not Brad. Brad, if you're listening. <laughs> I am not polyamorous, but I will get a divorce if you call me. Oh my Just, God. We grew up at the same time because I feel like it's so our generate our the particular timeline for us where Brad was king. Brad was my king. vision boards. Yeah. He's always king. But my vision boards were like Brad. And then for a while I was attracting all these dudes that look like young Brad Pitts, but that were Ooh. so not ready to be in a relationship. I can attract some of them young Brad Pitts. I don't know what I did wrong. I should have gotten to that damn mysticism. You should have gotten into that witchy manifesting stuff because yeah. I put them all on a little vision board. Young, young Jude Law, too. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, but, you know, I think that's what makes some people, I like, say Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach, they... They make you feel like on their podcast, like you're just like their friend and they're not trying to be all brandy and stuff. And I, I really appreciate that kind of vibe. It's like we're people and whether you like them or not, it doesn't quite matter. But it's like, yeah, yeah they're 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 being real on a Tuesday. They're, um, you know, it's it's I think when you get into the entrepreneurial space, it's like when people are making a lot of money on the image and what yes. they're selling, I think. um it becomes it harder to stay authentic or, you know, because people have this idea of a brand versus being like an artist or an author or a musician where it's like, I'm not, it's not the same kind of tone that you're delivering as an entrepreneur. And I've thought about this a lot and I'm like, well, I'd rather be the messy fucking artist who's just doing my thing than have to maintain a certain tone of a brand. Yes. Well, so, so we can, we can just skip into like, 
what are you excited about? What's coming up for you? How can people hang with you? I want to come. I'm like, I'm coming. That's great, man. Thanks for the opportunity um, to plug my shit. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about a few things actually. And uh, I actually do mean this genuinely. Um, not car, not, not use car salesman. Okay. Like yeah. I'm, real, I'm excited about this work I'm about to be doing. So first thing I got going is called the school of strip craft. And that is, um, a year long curriculum of weekly sensual Sundays. That is, um, sensual movement with some instruction, meditation, and also uh, performing and dancing for each other. Every Sunday, we dress up in a little something cute, okay? It's up to you how far you want to take it. And we get together for a couple of hours, and I teach a few, uh, just a few little skills and a choreography that we're building over the course of the year. And we're in, we're doing a group seduction, which is when we divide into half and one side of the room seduces the other online. We do tip rail where like the bold, brave girls take the stage and we can Venmo them, you know, a couple bucks here and there. Oh my God, um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, we do sexy video selfies where, you know, we I put on a couple of jams after the girls have been dancing for a while and they record themselves and maybe post it or just keep it in the library. They can compare like how far they've gotten. And um, for 28 of these women, although this is over half sold out, but for a handful of these women, after a year of dancing together across the internet, we're all going to gather together in person for my strip cabin retreat in December in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. It's in fact held in the same little town that Dolly Parton was born and raised, a place called Sevierville. And um, so if any of you friends listening are interested in joining up with my school of strip craft and frankly, um, having the opportunity to go from feeling like a boring, frumpy lame to a hot, badass bitch. I love it. That's the goal. That's all. I, that's all I can promise you. You know, I can't promise that I'm going to heal your traumas. I can't promise that I'm going to help you to align your chakras or any of that kind of stuff. Though you did but mention I, meditation. You I do mean. meditate. <laughs> I'm a big meditator. Big. Okay. Okay. We didn't even get into that next time. <laughs> yeah, big meditator. So if that sounds like fun to you, if you if you're looking for a reason to feel like a sexy woman again and a little instruction from, uh strip club veteran and dare I say the best stripper in Atlanta 2015 oh. 16 yes I was cool pretty cool credential yeah um, wow Atlanta that's a hard market hard market yeah really cool credential I didn't uh compete or anything it was just bestowed on me in a scene magazine called creative loafing oh um, I know creative loafing yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was a really, really cool really cool moment in my life um so if that sounds like fun to you Hit me up at drluxatl.com. That is D-R-L-U-X-A-T-L.com. I'm teaching sexy dancing and bringing sexy ladies together virtually and IRL as a job. So I'd love to see y'all there. Um, And yeah, multiple retreats coming up on the horizon uh, for 2023. Uh, Unbelievably, I'll be bringing an infant. Um, Luckily, I got- Awesome. I like that kind of like just sells me even more. It's going to be wild, dude. He's coming to Costa Rica. Um, he's coming to Iceland. Um, you're, doing a, you're doing a, a strip retreat in Costa Rica and Iceland? Yeah. Oh yeah. my yeah. goddess. I've been doing Costa Rica for many years and that's called Strip Cabana. If you just Google that hashtag, you'll see like it's so dank. This is the dankest mansion I've ever set foot in in my life. And I've been in some nice mansions in my day. Um, okay, Googling now. <laughs> yes, yeah, Cabana. It is such a great retreat. Oh, my God. Talk about fun. And uh, Iceland. This is the first year we're ever doing Iceland. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, oh, um, awesome. Thinking about doing one in Bali for 2024. So, wow. Yeah, lots of fun ahead. Lots of dancing ahead. Lots of getting back into my body with the homies and um 
just kind of having a sort of a rebirth. You know, somebody, my, listen, I talk all this shit about how I'm not mystical and I'm about to say my astrologer. I'm literally about to use those words. I know yeah. you're dropping this at the end. You're like, oh, I'm a intense meditator, my astrologer. Give it to us. Meditator, big meditator. And my homegirl is an astrologer and she gets in deep with it, you know, and asks you all these questions. And I don't understand how it works, but she did say that 2022 was like this big creation year for me. And um, she was right. And uh, she was telling me that before I was, before I even knew I was pregnant. Talk about some crazy shit. Yeah. And like, I was like creation, you know, like I'm working on a podcast. I've got all this art going. Let me plug one more thing. Hookergate podcast, Hookergate underscore podcast. You can follow me. I won a big competition by iHeartRadio. They're producing a true crime podcast of mine um, about my hometown, about a uh, truck stop brothel crime ring. So stay tuned for that. Oh my goodness. Uh, That's crazy exciting. Yeah. So it's my creative year um, and uh, lots to look forward to in the year to come. Wow. Everybody, please go explore all that. I'm going to right now. (laughs) And and thanks so much for having me on here. I really, really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate your time and, and reaching out. Thank you so much, Lux. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo. And you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review. Give us a five-star rating. All that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.